lost the weight upon my shoulder. Now it's easier to walk. I can see the road before me. I am not afraid. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoy this podcast, it would really help us out if you could write a review wherever you listen, share it with a friend and give it a star rating and click follow or subscribe in whatever app you listen in. All that really helps us out. And also if you are not following us on Instagram and Facebook, you can follow along at beautiful shifts underscore podcast. And that's where we share our current and upcoming episodes, photos of our guests and other fun content. So thank you. Yep. Thanks. Welcome to the podcast today. Today we're sharing a conversation we had with Jeffrey and Bryce. They run the account Growing Up With Dads on Instagram. Some of you may be familiar with them. But um, so Chantil and I just both started following them kind of separately on Instagram. I just thought they were a super cute family and decided just to reach out to them and see if they would like to be on our podcast. So it was super nice. They kindly said yes. So we were really excited to be able to chat with them. Yes, we're so grateful that they took the time to do that with their busy twins, and yeah. um, they were so good. They were hanging out in the house, just the kids, keeping themselves yeah, they entertained were. until their dads could be done yes. <laughs> with the interview. So um, so I think it's cool because we kind of talk about three major transitions um, in this podcast. So obviously the first one, we well, we don't really go in an order, but we talk about them coming out um, as gay and their each individual story with that. Um, we talk about them leaving the religion that they were raised in as well as starting a family. So, so I love talking about each of these transitions and I was a little bit surprised kind of the raw emotions that came up with these because I feel like I could relate to some of their transitions and how hard some of them must have been for them and that were that it was hard for me. And so yeah. I just feel so grateful that they were so vulnerable and they were authentic and they were just so open in their story. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's interesting because for sure, like we've said, faith transition comes up in this interview and we've both kind of had our own individual faith transitions at times and they have their own, but that's kind of the interesting thing. And the cool thing about transitions is everyone has their own story with theirs and, but it does bring up emotions because right. it's personal. It's so personal. Yeah. So you can relate to them. Yeah. So that's, I think that we both related to them with some of the emotions behind some of what they were talking about, but then we both have our individual kind of, um, relationships with the LGBT community that, you know, and for me, I have a very close family member who is in that community. And so, um, some of the things that they talked about, even specific issues and stuff, like I was going through those, not as a member of it, but as having someone that I care very deeply about in that community, you know? So yeah, there's some points in the interview where I feel like we get a little bit raw with our emotions and, um, you know, but we just appreciate their honesty so much. I think that's what I was thinking about when I think about their interviews. They're really honest and, um, but they're just such good guys, you know, and I yeah. love just hearing from them and, and hearing their story. And anyway, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's a really good interview. And then it's just really cute to just, you know, hear their experience with their twins. I mean, yeah. Lindsay, Lindsay has twins, so they could relate. Yeah. There's just a lot well. of different points in this. So we're like, oh, oh yeah. Well, yeah. It was, it <laughs> yeah. was fun. Yeah. And I just feel like they're just such a cute family. was grateful for the time that they spent. Yeah. So it's just been awesome. I think part of when mo- emotions come up in different podcasts, I think I've cried on podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that it's just so cool because I do feel like it's this connection with hearing somebody's story and being able to relate or having compassion or whatever it is 
it's been interesting to see the things that have come up when I'm not expecting it or the things I've learned from my our guests, which I'm so grateful for. But yeah. Um, yeah, so this is our last podcast of the season. Yeah, with the interview. Yeah, we're going to do a little wrap up episode later this week. But um, yeah, just hearing, I just love the new perspectives that we're getting. Even if you think that you understand, you know, a group like this, like even though I felt like, oh, I understand the LGBT community pretty well, I still learn something new. Like you yeah, always exactly. learn, you know, just about their experience and what, so anyway, that's what I've loved so much about this, I think, is learning people's stories and their perspectives. And then I just feel like I know a little bit more and can relate to people yes. a little more. Yeah. So yeah. So I feel it's been great. Super grateful for mm-hmm. all those that I've shared and all the things I've learned. So yeah. Um, and then one more thing we wanted to mention, just if you're in the Salt Lake City area, and I'm sure each state has their own pride events, but I know that Utah's a lot of the main events are this weekend. Um, yeah. so if you want to participate on that, then you can look up online and I know they have parade and a festival and concerts and it's a good way to help show support. Yeah. Cause we were just really glad that this, we were able to release this episode right as Pride Week was starting. We just thought it was really cool so we can show our support and, and be able to share a story of some voices within that community. So, yeah. so I think you guys will just really love hearing from Bryce and Jeffrey, just a cute couple and a cute family. And yeah, we love chatting with them. Yes. Yep. Thanks so much. Thanks. All right. Welcome to the podcast today. Today we have Jeffrey and Bryce with us. Welcome guys. Hey, thank you so much for having us. Thank you. We're excited to be here. Yeah. Yeah, We're so excited to have you. Same. Yeah. Yeah. They run the account growing up with dads and I know you guys have like a ton of followers. So some of you guys might be familiar with them and um, so excited to chat with them. I'm just going to read their bio and then we'll get into their story. Um, First and foremost, Jeffrey and Bryce are dads to twin toddlers, Rue and Ridge. Living in the suburbs of Salt Lake City, they own a real estate brokerage, Pride and Property Realty. They created their family through the gift of surrogacy and share their family's journey on Instagram as at Growing Up With Dads, where their hope is to show their family in order to provide hope and inspiration to LGBT youth and be an example they feel was lacking when they were growing up gay. When they aren't working or wrangling kids, they enjoy working out together, swimming, or most of all, traveling the world with and without their kids. (laughs) <laughs> which I can relate to. It's like, I go on um, trips with my husband. I'm like, Oh, this is amazing, but I miss our kids. And then when we're with our kids, I'm like, this is so fun, but it'll be really good when we get our own trip, own trip yeah. together. <laughs> we always joke when we travel without the kids that we, we get there and after a day, we just miss them and we want to go back and mm-hmm. then we come back and we're back for a day and we're like, we need a vacation. <laughs> yeah, well, for sure. I noticed you guys go to Puerto Vallarta. That's like my family's favorite place. We love Puerto Vallarta. Yeah, we love we love taking them to Mexico. It's kind of a thing we do a lot um, as much as we can. It's just easy. It's quick. Um, they love it. They love the beach, the pools. Oh, I know. Fun. And it's like the all inclusive, like I have a nine year old daughter and she's all about like the slushy at the pool. And <laughs> yes. it's, it's the best. Draw, and then they feel like they can get their fries. nachos and their yeah, fries and everything they want. Mac and cheese, whatever. <laughs> So yeah, it's great and so beautiful there. So yeah. yeah, we've always wanted, I mean, we love to travel ourselves. And when we had kids, we really knew that it was something we wanted to do. And it's really fun to, it's kind of our way of, of introducing them to different cultures and how different people live. And mm-hmm. I think traveling is such a, such a fun way to show your kids the, you know, the world and how every family is different and how everybody, you know, it's just, it kind of, it kind of pops their little cultural bubble of, you know, growing up in a, you know, yeah. Yeah. I love traveling too. It's great. And I feel like when they, 
now you'll just it's just gonna be easier and easier when you yeah. travel now because the age yeah. is like a little now, older yeah now we don't have to pack diapers and we don't have to pack Formula. you know strollers and we don't have to pack <laughs> yeah. you know i know i would love to hear a what? little bit more about like what that was like just becoming parents and i mean the... There's this thing that like nothing prepares you for being a parent. You can't really explain to somebody who's about to become a new parent the challenges. You know, we, we like to say you don't know tired until you have kids. Um, you know, it's a whole new level of tired and, and you don't know, you know, stress and that, and, you know, and until you have kids. Um, you know, for us being parents and bringing home, you know, newborn twins was a huge adjustment for us. Um, I know we talked to people that, you know, only have one kid and they're like, oh yeah, sleep was like, yeah, like we were sleep deprived, but we could at least, you know, switch off and, and we think like, oh, that must be nice to be able to switch (laughs) off and not, you know, not both of us have to be there, you know, Mm -hmm. all the time because newborns are hard. Um, Yeah. And I think it's just the same stresses that parents have of how do you teach and raise your kids to, to, you know, be good, whatever that means, kind, you know, yeah. Yeah, kind and, and yeah. um, you know, you, you make mistakes, you'll make a lot of mistakes <laughs> and you just try to, you know, do, I saw, I, I read something about healing your own trauma so that you don't pass your trauma onto your kids. And that's been something that's been on my mind a lot of like, what am I what am I not knowingly passing on to my kids? You know, what, what things have I not dealt with in my life or in my, uh, you know, what haven't I unpacked or processed that I'm, that I'm, that I'm passing on to my kids? Yeah. I love that. That's a good reminder. I've, I've heard that too, but not for yeah. a while. They are so, adorable by the way. I know. They're and... so cute. <laughs> Do you want to tell their names? Names are our little boy is Ridge and our girl is LaRue. It's so, so cute. cute. Yeah. It. And, and they're four just... and a half, you yeah, said? Yeah, four and a half. Yeah, that's a fun, busy oh, age. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, yeah. Will they be starting kindergarten in the fall or the next year? So they technically have another year of preschool um, because they turn mm-hmm. they turn five after the cutoff. But we're trying oh. to figure out mm-hmm. like if we do like a private kindergarten or do another year of preschool. They've already done. This will be the end of their second year of preschool. So we kind of start in preschool mm-hmm. a little early. Um yeah. And our little boy is like, I mean, Ridge is, I know every parent thinks their kid's the smartest kid, but like we cannot keep up with him. He loves to learn. He's already doing, you know, division, multiplication, math. Like yeah. he's like really good at math. He loves space. Oh, wow. So we're trying to find ways to, you know, challenge him and keep him learning. Um, you know, and it's, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a fun challenge. That's awesome. It's so fun having twins because they have mm-hmm. each other. Like I'm sure that's, it's, and I love people, I'm like, it's such a unique thing, because people will think, like, I don't know, it just kind of goes to show you that they really do kind of have yes. their personalities. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're raised the same, it's the, They're same, born the t- same time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they just kind of have their little Having boy-girl twins is a really good study on different personalities and the rates of learning because like yeah they they were born at the same time they've been raised the same way and yet they still have you know different strengths and different hobbies and different things that they love and so it's 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 really fun when they're the same age that you can isolate a lot of variables to really really dive into their different personalities and the whole nature versus nurture nurture like, yeah that would yeah your own yeah, little it's, it's our own little yeah, fun little yeah, experiment at home experiment <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I know. I am. I've always been super intrigued with twins and we've had so many guests with twins. I know. It comes up so much. Yeah. But I'm my surprised. grandma was a twin and I always just thought it was so cool. And my- once people have twins and having, you know, it's not very common that when people have twins, they have kids, they have more kids. It's usually twins are the, the, the end. So. Yeah. Yeah, because you had your kids at the end. She yeah, had. I did. I had two older ones in like a five and a half year gap and then the twins, which yeah. I'm glad I had the gap yeah. because it was, yeah. I needed I know. it. I know. People yeah. ask us like, oh, are you going to have more? And we're like, no, we're done. Like we're like after having twins, I'm like, we survived. We survived twins and yeah. they're potty trained and they're, you know, starting school. Yeah. We are through oh, yeah. the really, really hard parts. So yeah. Yeah. Well, it's perfect. You, yeah. It works out well with twins. It's yeah. Well, okay. We thought we would just jump in because there's a lot of topics and things we want to cover with you guys. So first off, maybe you can let kind of tell us in the audience where you guys both grew up and just like anything that might stand out in your growing up years that you'd like to share. So I was born and raised in Laguna Beach, California. I moved to Alpine, Utah my junior year with my family. My dad moved here for work and we all came with them. Um, Served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, went to Hong Kong. Um, After that, I continued going to school, went to school for social work. And yeah, that's a little bit about me. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, I was born and raised in Salt Lake City. Um, I went back east for school and then moved back. Um, Utah uh, started working. We met when he was still in school. Um, started dating, dated for a couple of years, got married, had kids, did the whole <laughs> thing. The quick um, wrap-ups. Yeah, that's kind of where we both. So, yeah, I was here. He joined me in Utah. That's how we met. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. All right. So are you from big families or small families? I have two sisters. I have one older sister who's four years older than I am. Then I have a younger sister who is seven years younger than I am. Mm, nice. I'm the youngest of four boys. Um, and we're all about, we're like seven years apart, the oldest and me. So. Oh, close okay. then. So did you grow up LDS as well? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We both grew up LDS and then, um, you know, l- left when we, you know, came out as gay, um, left the church and now, yeah, we're no longer part of the church and our families have left. Oh, your um, families as well. Yeah, and I think a big part of it was us coming out as gay and, and the church's um, stance. Yeah, hostility towards gays um, made it um, really like not to really dive too deep into that, but it really it really made I think both of our our families realize that they couldn't love and support us in the way that they wanted to or that they should with still you know uh, remaining members of the church in California during Prop 8 and I did grow up LDS and I would say that was my one of my first cracks mm-hmm. was Prop 8 because it was really hard for me to understand you know why the church was getting involved why it mattered like I just didn't see it that way so yeah and we're jumping ahead probably a little in our 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 surrogate had kind of a similar experience she was not um, born and raised LDS, but she was like investigating the church and taking, um, you know, missionary lessons. And then prop eight came, you know, d- during that time. And, and that's when she ultimately decided not to join the LDS church, um, because she kind of had the same feelings of, you know, it didn't, it didn't really resonate with her, the stance that they were taking and, and that. So yeah, yeah that's kind interesting. Of a, yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously um, that was what, 2008. So but yeah, yeah, I lived in California at the time and it was 
it was, yeah, it was difficult. It was rough. Yeah. Yeah. It was really hard, like, especially because walking to school every morning and passing all the signs in everyone's yards. It's like, oh, it's not it. yeah. And it was oh, heartbreaking. Wow, yeah. How me, old were like, you at the time? I was probably 12, 13. So it was like, I knew who I was. I knew I was gay. And so like seeing that, like all my neighbors, all my friends, all my friends' parents were against potentially who I was. Right. It was hard. Oh. It was yeah, that would be, yeah, that would be extremely difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, maybe we should talk a little bit more about that because that probably kind of ties into coming out and stuff. So that is always an interesting thing to me to learn about. Um, like at what point did you kind of know and then how did that lead to your coming out? Um, for me, like I, I always knew that I was, I was different growing up. Um, I wasn't really sure. I mean, I, I grew up. LDS, Mormon, in a conservative community. Um, I didn't really even know what, like, gay was. Like, I had heard about it. I, I, like, I obviously knew what it was, but I didn't really have any personal connection to it. So for me, I knew some things didn't make sense. I wasn't, like, attracted to girls in that way. You know, I was friends with them, but, like, never had a romantic feelings toward them. But I, I hadn't really processed that and uh, dealt with that until, until I was older, probably... Um, you know, like in my late, late, late teens, early twenties. And that's kind of when I, when I realized and accepted that I was gay and then hit it, was in the closet for call probably five, six years. Um, even, you know, when we started, when we met and started dating, we were both still in the closet. It was very mm -hmm. secretive. Nobody knew. Um, and then for us together, we reached the point to where, I mean, we were living together, but it was still like very secretive. Like our families didn't even know that we were living oh, wow. together. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then we really realized that like in order for our relationship to grow, um, for us to kind of continue to, to grow our relationship, that we needed to be more authentic. We needed to, to make that step um, and come out. Um, we both did it on the same day through a Facebook post, like there were some people in our lives that knew, but, um, well, I told my parents, I came out to my family. Um, and then kind of the next step of that was being more open and kind of making a public pronouncement that I was, that I was gay. And I did it through a Facebook post and just, you know, shared kind of my story that I felt like I needed to let everybody know, um, you know, what was going on and, and kind of who I was, uh, letting me kind of release that tension and anxiety that I had in my life so I could, I could learn and grow. That was kind of my, my part of coming out, um, yeah. which is a little different than yours. Yeah. So similar to Bryce, I had a, the, those same kind of like feelings growing up. I knew something was different. I knew that I was definitely, like all my friends were girls. I didn't have any guy friends. So it's kind of like clear to, if like me and myself, that like, oh, like I'm definitely more interested in men than I am women. Um, I was probably like 10, 11 when I fully understood like, hey, like I am, I am gay. I understood what gay was in California. Like you're around that culture a lot more so than Bryce was growing up in Utah. And it's definitely more accepted there. Not, I mean, definitely more accepted there than it was in Utah. And I would say it was probably like in that early 10 to 12 range where I was understood like, oh, I am gay, but due to religious beliefs, I could never be who I wanted to be because I knew like that would damage my family's hopes and desires to have that celestial family, to have that family forever. 
And I didn't want to be the reason that my family couldn't have that. So I always suppress those feelings, suppress those emotions and desires to make sure that my parents got what they wanted because they'd given me everything and I wanted to give that back to them. And that was, yeah. And then going down the road, I served a mission and I did that in hopes that God would heal me, that he would make me straight, that he would make me who I need to be to have that celestial family, to marry a woman, to have an eternal family with my siblings and my parents. And then I got home from my mission and I realized I just wasn't happy. And I told my parents and it was really hard. And we didn't talk for a couple of years after that. It was kind of just kind of a roller coaster of emotions and relationships. And um, after time, I think my parents came to the realization like, oh, he still is the same person, gay or straight. And that was, that was big for them. It helped them a lot. And then I was probably, like, we were probably, like, I was 25 when we like fully came out to yeah. everyone you were probably 28, 27. So we were probably like around that age when we fully, everyone knew in our, because everyone knew in our circles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's funny. I mean, like, it's very interesting because I wouldn't think of those things, like that you were doing it not for you. You were actually doing it for your family. You know, like mm-hmm. that's, and it shows the love you obviously have for your parents and you didn't want to hurt them. And if their belief system is this, and maybe not even going to that point in your mind where maybe it wasn't even true, but that, okay, I would ruin our celestial family if I do this, yeah. so I can't. But so much pressure for a young little yeah. kid. Yeah, well, like, it's your entire framework work and worldview. Like, you have no reason to question what you've been taught. You just kind of, you do kind yeah. of question yourself first, sadly. Like, in a lot of situations, you know, I must be wrong. And I think that's why, I mean, the the suicide rate in Utah is high um yeah. you know it's it's very high and it's even higher with um lgbt kids um that are raised mormon um because they carry that weight of if i'm gay it's gonna make my family not be an eternal family and and kids are faced with this reality of i can be true to myself i can be authentic i can be gay or I can destroy my family, you know, in that process. And, and it makes it so that the choice to commit suicide is in their minds, the best choice, the easiest choice for them, which I think is a sad reflection on, on, um, the priorities of a family and, uh, religion that, um, you know, there's, there's parents that would rather, I mean, I believe this. There's parents that would rather have a dead kid than a gay than a gay kid. And well, sadly, I've heard that said before. Those right. those feelings aren't um, they aren't hidden from gay kids that grow up um, in Utah specifically. That you know they they certainly understand and hear those messages, even if they're even if they're spoken or if they're not spoken. Um, there's just so much in the culture and in the teachings that reinforce that idea that Mm -hmm. that makes it so it's it's easier to kill yourself than it is to be gay yeah yeah i mean we talk a lot about how lucky we are that we survived it. i mean we both contemplated suicide you know multiple times because you know sadly it feels like the easier the easier path yeah that's so crazy and i think it's sadly so common it 
as you were saying that, it reminded me, did you guys see David Archuleta's video about a year or two ago when yeah. he came out and it was a long, it was so good. I thought it was so good and vulnerable. And, and he explained, you know, he was suicidal because he thought, well, I would rather be dead than choose a lifestyle that is like going to send yeah. me to hell. So uh, right. I better, maybe I have a better off chance just dying, yeah. you know? Yeah. And That's it was, like the, yeah. Yeah. That's like the perfect example of, um, you know, he did everything right. Mm-hmm. Um, he did everything that he could. Nobody could. I mean, I'm sure there's people that still fault him for not doing enough or feel like they didn't. But it's it's a good example of somebody who, you know, literally did everything they could and realized that it's not possible. And it was putting them on a path of unhappiness and so much unhappiness that was leading them to to suicide. Yeah. yeah, I just remember being like so moved by his yeah vulnerability and sharing that. And I think, you know, part of our, our whole point of our podcast, and we talk about this all the time, is to give someone a platform to tell their story so that we're all more empathetic and more understanding. Because they, I think a lot of people just assume because one of the main reasons that I have stepped away from the church was because of the church's stance on this. But I actually, and so they're saying, so they would say, oh, so you must have a family member that's in the I'm like no actually I don't but then that made me sad that like I don't know that they would think that you that would have to be your yeah I yeah. couldn't just even though that's care a perfectly about good reason to fill it yeah but like yeah you yeah. couldn't just care about that issue just because you do yeah and yeah. I yeah. I just remember being you know and I, I don't I hadn't really spent time questioning the church too much I had things that were kind of on my shelf but when this came out I just remember thinking how can I do this how can I be part of this church that I love and I grew up in and it's my framework and it's my family, it's my friends, it's my community, but I just feel really sick about this issue. And I don't have any personal tie to it other than the way I feel. And I'd been taught in the church that the way you feel is super important, right? Like, so it was so contradicting to me that it was really, really hard. And I think, but at the same time, I have to be just like, we're trying to, you know, have a platform for people to share the story. I also have to try to be understanding, like we had Richard Osler on, and he tries is, really yeah. hard to kind of give the people that stay in a platform. I try really hard, but my heart and my, like, I don't know, my yeah. gut and my soul was like, I can't. Really so old. I mean, you think of all that yeah. time you spent yeah. um, not being your authentic self. And we were uh-huh. just having this conversation about this balance between, um, especially leaving a religion that's the predominant religion in your culture and in your family and your neighborhood and friends, where there's this kind of, there's the caring what people think or how they perceive you. And then the, the authenticity, like when you care more about authenticity, then it's time to like be more vocal. Cause I think I kind of hit it for years. Like, oh, I'll just let everybody think that I'm where I'm at, whatever they want to think. But then it was like, wait, I need to be authentic. Like I need to speak out. I need to be yeah. who I am and never to hurt people. I don't, it's not to tear people down or hurt them or tell them that they're wrong, but just that there's this weird balance and, so I'm assuming that's part of the story too. At some point you're like, Hey, we have to be us. We can't hide this anymore. We want to be mm-hmm. who we are, not just in our small group, but to the world. Yeah. Well, especially where you had each other and that probably, do you feel like having each other maybe gave you, I don't know, the bravery or whatever to, cause here you are like, have this awesome relationship now. And you're probably like, well, we can't just hide this anymore. <laughs> like, you know, this is yeah. wonderful. Like, this is great. I know I would not have come out when I did and how I did, if we weren't in a relationship and having that, um, that security and somebody that you could rely on. Um, because I mean, we did lose 
at that time we lost family members, we lost friends, we lost a lot of things when we did become who we were meant to be. Yeah. You know, there's so much that when you've hidden your life and who you, your authentic self was for so long, there's so much that you have to unlearn and, un, and unpack. Like we still, I still struggle with um, showing like affection towards him in private and public because for so long I was terrified that somebody would know I was gay if I, you know, held a stare too long at somebody or, you know, I mean, realistically there, I mean, there's times when we walking down the street don't hold hands because we still have this inherent fear that, you know, what if we stumble upon somebody who is, you know, homophobic or a bigot or something. And, and, you know, do I really want to have that conversation with, you know, or do I really want to, to kind of create that environment? Um, so there's a lot of calculation that goes in on saying how much affection can I show right now without it, it causing an issue with somebody And it. And it's always so hard to, uh, to that line between, Am I not being true to myself and how, how much do I show it on, you know, if I, if I don't hold hands or if I don't do it, am I, am I lying and am I not, not being true to myself or am I just doing what I can to, to get, to get by or, you know, it's, it's, it's just a kind of a hard process sometimes to, to develop and un, and unlearn those patterns, I guess, that you, that you had for so long. Yeah. I think that's something that people don't understand that maybe don't have someone that is like LGBTQ in their life or something that hasn't really talked to someone is that I think what's really sad about it, especially when you grow up in like a super conservative religious community or culture is there's this like internal homophobia or whatever. I I like if you would want to call it that and which is so sad, but I just, I just hope for a world eventually where that's just not a thing, like just embrace who you are because now, like you said, you're having to unlearn these things and they're so ingrained. It's so understandable. Why? I mean, these are like, however they say the pathways in our brain are formed as we grow up and, and it's just there. And so just like we're, a lot of us are trying to unlearn things that's going to be there. And that, that's a hard, that's probably a hard thing to face. So, and that's a lot about why we've decided to share our story and kind of be so visible um, because we didn't feel like we had those role models or somebody that we could look up to. Um, I know for us, a lot of, you know, when we were growing up, it was, if I'm gay, I won't be able to have kids. I won't be able to have a family. Um, and so for us, we kind of want to show to, you know, gay kids that are, that are younger, that are struggling with accepting themselves and maybe their desire to have kids and be dads and, and, and have a family is, is, is a big factor that we want to show that it's possible to be gay and have kids and have a family and, and kind of have, I guess, the more traditional family structure, um, and so we've tried to, to, to be as visible as we can in order to kind of provide that um, example, uh, you know, to, to kids that are growing up. That's kind of our purpose that we've had in being so visible with our lives. Yeah, that's yeah, really cool. I love that. And I think that's probably like so important to probably stopping someone else from committing suicide yes. or having the suicidal thoughts that like, okay, it's possible. It's possible to have what I want someday. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I was also thinking about, it's just 
good for um because it's not just kids that are seeing your account and aware like parents out there yeah you know are yeah. seeing it too and so then when their kids come out it's like okay well maybe this isn't exactly what i pictured for you but you can these guys are good role models like you can yeah. you could still have a really if that's what you want too i also feel like there's this whole process of like not having to have all these check boxes. Like if you want a yeah. family, that's great. If you want kids, yeah. awesome. If you want to get married, but you know what? Maybe that's not your path either. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of options in life and yeah, I feel like yeah. we know. get messages sometimes. I, it's mostly from moms that yeah. say, you know, there are messages, you know, I followed you for years and you know, my son just came out, came out to me this weekend and sorry, I'm going to cry. Cause um, those, those messages where, you know, somebody was following us, a mom, a parent that didn't know their kid was gay, or maybe they had a, you know, they had a thought in the back of their mind, but they hadn't really dealt with it. And then their kid comes out as gay with them. And then it makes it easier in the sense to still continue to love their kid. And they at least have a framework that they've, that they've seen that, you know, maybe the idea of what, what they have in their mind of what a gay person is, is different after seeing our story and seeing our kids and that. So, I mean, when there's time, there's times in our lives when it really is not fun to have a, have a visible lifestyle and sharing, you know, so much about yourselves online when you receive those comments or messages that are hurtful or, you know, rude. Um, but we've kind of come to terms with that, that, you know, it's, it's part of the process, um, in order to, to share our story. We also get, you know, some hate, but it's worth it in the end. If it, you know, if it helps people and families to, you know, have a different idea of what, you know, being gay is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is just, um, not being educated or not being like, I don't know, the whole dehumanize or, or just thinking of you as like, that's the probably thing with the, the mother, you know, like she probably is like, Oh, what a cute couple. What cute kids. Like, Oh, they go on vacation just like everybody else. Oh, they have a job. They work. They do. I mean, it's like, Oh, they're literally like a family. Like, yeah. and yeah. it's hard when you're taught a family looks a certain way and you have these preconceptions or ideas, but um, yeah. And it's probably so hard to get the hate mail and the rude comments, but so worth it when you get a message like that. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I think sometimes people overcomplicate, you know, what a family is. And, and, and I think having kids for us is really, you know, like, like it, it's, I mean, our kids ask questions like, you know, why don't I have a mom? Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's, in our mind, it's easy to say, you know, every family is not the same. Some families have a mom and a dad. Some families have two moms. Some have two dads. Some might have a, you know, only a mom or some might have a mom and two, you know, two dads, one of them being a step, a step dad, or, you know, somebody might not have a mom and dad and they just have a, you know, grandma that's, you know, raising them. And, and I think when you explain it to a kid and then they're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Then you realize like adults, we tend to over complicate things way too much. And really having two dads isn't that big of a deal. It's, you know, they still have parents that love them and we're just like, you know, we're just like every other parents. We still, you know, worry about the same types of things. We still try to teach our kids to be, you know, happy and healthy and, um, you know, raise them just like any other parent would. Um, it just happens that, you know, our kids are raised by two dads and, and yeah. Yeah. And it makes me think of, you know, I have a huge range of kids, so I have a 20, 
two-year-old and a 19-year-old and a 15-year-old and then a nine-year-old. And so I think about me growing up and my thoughts or what I thought about, you know, the gay community. Nobody came out. Nobody talked about it. It wasn't in the movies. You know, I'm in my mid-40s. And then my older kids, I feel like they're much more like they don't really think about it. It just is, you know. But then I think even my nine-year-old is even more so like I'm happy to see the progress. I'm happy to see just not the judgment and not the, oh, it's so different or whatever. It's just kind of is. I'm, I mean, this is maybe cliche or whatever, but we, we love uh, Modern Family. And my, my <laughs> nine-year-old is like, I know <laughs> we watch it so much. <laughs> she is like obsessed with it, but I love it because she's just growing up seeing these different types of family, even with the Jay and what's her name? Like they're this oh, huge yeah, age gap yeah. or whatever. And yeah. she's from a different culture. And we actually have a girl-in-law from Columbia. So we always love to be like, oh, that's just like Katya. You know, and then just to be like, there's these different types of families and different ways of looking at things. But they're all the same. You know, I just... We still have the love. And, yes. Yeah, and still, the fighting yeah. and the making yeah. fun of each other. And the just yeah. the whole, you know, dynamics of the family is just pretty similar across the board. Just with different yeah. personalities. And it's... Anyway, we love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, I was thinking about when we were talking about it just it, it strikes me as like it so much often oftentimes comes back to fear that of like the unknown and and you know sometimes that fear is put on people like kind of unknowingly they carry that fear with them from whatever culture they were raised in or whatever but something cool that you guys are doing well you're kind of taking that fear away it's like and yeah. I think pe- giving people hope like I thought about hope when you were talking about those moms that have reached out to you and, you know, it's giving them just a way, a new way to look at how the lives of their children that come out could, could be, you know? And anyway, I think it's, that's a really neat thing. Yeah, I think, I mean, if you know, if you know, or are close to somebody that is, that is gay, I think it changes your perspective. Um, and it changes, you know, if somebody you love and care about is gay, then it really challenges some of the inherent learned um, homophobia that, that, you know, somebody might have. Um, so, you know, if we can be, you know, quote unquote, somebody that, you know, a gay, a gay person that somebody, you know, knows, then maybe it challenges them a little bit and it makes them think about things in a different way that is hopefully positive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it could be a huge difference for people because you think about going from fear to hope to then like acceptance. I mean, all those things are what's going to make a huge difference in a kid's life or a adult's life or whatever. So it's just those, like, it's amazing to think, but you know, I know social media has its issues. We've talked about this before too, but like it also also has has some some really good merits. Yeah. That, I mean, this is helping just open people's eyes up a little more. Like we talked about with this podcast, that's all we're really trying to do is give new perspectives and Also, like, I love to hear people's perspective, like all across the board on, you know, because everyone has different experiences that we bring to the table. And so anyway, I just feel like we can learn from everyone. So I think it goes to the quote we come up with. We say a lot to the Walt Whitman quote, but I call it the Ted Lasso quote is the, Mm -hmm. you know, like curiosity. You're less judgmental if you have curiosity, because Mm -hmm. if you have curiosity, then you kind of want to know about someone and about their thoughts and beliefs or who they are over just judging them without even knowing anything about them. Well, let's see. So we've kind of talked about, um, you know, your background, how you guys met. Well, how did you meet? You never really, so you ended up being friends, but you both were kind of still in the closet. I'm just curious. Yeah. Do you you feel comfortable sharing? (laughs) Yeah, we're fine with it. We met via an app called Grindr. Awesome. (laughs) Heard of it. Yep. And yeah, at that time, like that's all we really had. We had like Craigslist, Grindr, Tinder was (laughs) out. Yeah. Like it was like, 
and there's nowhere in Utah for us to like go mingle or chat or do anything else. So like the only way we could meet was through apps and through online services. Yeah. Yeah. I think I have a, well, like a cousin-in-law, I guess. And I think he's met his boyfriend on Grindr. And I just think, yeah, "Yeah, it's great. If that's a way to meet people, that's another good thing about the internet. It's helping people connect, you know? So Yeah. yeah, that's great. Um, so all right. where did you go then on your first date if you met and then decided we to meet up? Went, we went hiking. Awesome. Oh. That we was also hiking. my first date with my husband was hiking. Oh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> we both, and honestly, we went on a lot of hikes and, and, and that, you know, as we were dating and being outside was something we really enjoyed doing. Yeah. That's great. Living in Utah. And yeah. you both lived here at the time, right? Yeah. In yeah. Utah. Okay. That's right. And, um, Okay, and so then you met, and how long until the point where you guys decided to come out? And It was probably... We went on our first date, and then we didn't see each other for a while after that. Yeah, we went on a date, and then we were... He was traveling and, and in school and finals and spring break, and it was just... Schedules didn't work out, and then... Um, probably four months. Yeah, you went to Asia. I went to Asia, different parts, um, traveling, and then when we came back, we kind of reconnected, and... And honestly, from there we were, we, I mean, we dated pretty consistently and, and yeah. I know it's like this gay cliche, but like moved in together after two weeks. Cause that's seems, that seems to be the <laughs> pattern moved in together. And then we actually, we had actually bought a house together before we ever came out to like the world. Oh. Um, so we were like, we had a house together. We were um, buddies in the same house. Yeah. You knew you were committed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's and pretty then, committed to buy a house. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, we, I mean, we dated, we dated about four years before we got married. Um, okay. We did a lot of traveling. Uh, I mean, we both love to travel. So we, um, you know, started traveling all over the world, um, you know, spending every Every spare, you know, week we had or month that we had that we could travel, we did. And then, you know, we we knew that we both really wanted to have kids and it's expensive. And so we started to just save money and put everything we could towards saving towards being able to have a family. Um, And then... The surrogacy, so I'm probably jumping into a different part of the story, but hopefully it's good. Um, the no, surrogacy yeah, laws in Utah are really good. Um, I mean, okay. couples come from all over the world to have kids here because the laws are the laws are actually really good. Um, oh. But one of the aspects was that you have to be married in order to enter into a surrogacy agreement that's you know signed signed off by the by the courts, and at the time. When we were really getting serious about having kids, um, we had started the process of creating embryos and, you know, we had them frozen and we were kind of waiting to find a surrogate and uh, some legislate, well, one specific legislator in Utah was really trying to change the surrogacy laws to not allow gay couples to, to be able to use surrogacy. And our attorney said, you know, if you're, if you're married and you find a surrogate and we can get everything signed, you know, even if the law changes, you'll kind of be grand, grandfathered in. So, um, we got, we got engaged in the morning and we got married that afternoon. We just sent a, we sent a text to our parents and said, you know, Hey, we're getting married at the, at the courthouse at one, you know, if you can make it great. If not, we totally understand it's last, (laughs) it's last minute. So, um, both of our moms and your 
um, sisters. and your sisters met us at the court at the courthouse and we got married and then um, kind of quickly got everything signed by a judge as quickly as we could. Um, so that was kind of how we got married a lot faster and in different uh, than we planned. We always wanted to have, you know, a wedding with friends and family and, you know, be able to do that. But we were kind of forced into getting married really quickly, um, you know, but but it let us, you know, at the end of the day, it allowed us to, to complete that step that we needed to do in order to have kids. And so it was all worth it. Yeah, yeah that's really we'll have a that's big good. renewal sometime in the future. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I love that. Like surrogacy, I think it's so, I have a family member that's trying to get pregnant and just talking about the different ways that they can get pregnant. And I'm like, it's so amazing with, you know, science or whatever mm-hmm. and all the different ways that you can have a child. I just yeah. think it's so awesome. Yeah, I mean, when we were going through it, we probably had... 20 to 30 surrogates deny caring for us because whether it's their bishop or their beliefs just didn't allow for them to carry for an LGBTQ couple. Which at the time was was heartbreaking and sad to, you know, somebody say, hey, I don't want to be, you know, I'm judging you in the sense, but, but... I've since learned and I'm really grateful that like we didn't end up with somebody that, um, I mean, I would never want somebody to be part of our story that wasn't fully committed and, 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 and harbored feelings that our family was not like legitimate uh, or something. Yeah. Yeah. So so that kind of goes back to that woman. So she was that your surrogate. So our surrogate, um, would has no, so we so we created embryos with an anonymous egg donor, and then those embryos were implanted into our surrogate. Okay. So our surrogate doesn't have any genetic right. connection okay. to our to right. our kid. Um, and we obviously, I mean, we know her. She's a great, amazing friend. Um, which going into this, into sur- surrogacy, we were we weren't sure what kind of a relationship we wanted or were going to have with a surrogate we were open um and i feel like we completely lucked out um yeah (laughs) like our surrogate is was amazing is amazing we're still uh you know we're still friends to this day we go to lunch um you know she's she's uh part of our life and Mm -hmm. our kids know you know who she is and the part of her story you know as much as makes sense to them um but yeah we really lucked out in having an amazing yeah i'm sure there's so much gratitude there you know to have somebody yeah, that's nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, because you guys mentioned at the beginning that she was maybe going to be a convert, and then yeah, that yeah. wasn't. That yeah, was and I wondered, had you guys? Did what? What point did you guys both step away from the church? Was it before you met? It was so right before I. I mean, it. I guess it was like right when we came out. We like fully. Yes, like stopped resigned. going to church. I would say but it would make sense. Yeah. Yeah, but we didn't like we formally never. resign our membership until. You mean like withdraw our papers? Yeah. Like have our records removed. It was a couple of years later. Um, for a long time, I thought it doesn't matter. It's just, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm no longer, I no longer believe I'm no longer affiliated with it. It doesn't matter if my records are removed. But then I reached the point to where I didn't. And it was probably after the church took a, they took a stance on, on um, children of gay kids couldn't be, you know, members of the church Baptized, who couldn't yeah. you know, do that. Yeah. And, and at that point I personally was like, I don't, I want to send a message as much, as much of a message as I can that, that I don't want any affiliation with that. And so that's when, you know, we both kind of formally removed our 
records from the church. But we, I mean, we stopped going, you know, as soon as we came out and it was public. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was curious, so your family's, um, Jeffrey, you said you're, you didn't talk to your family for a couple of years. When did yeah, they kind so, of come around? Like, what was the process for that? I think honestly, it was, so they still went to church after I came out. Because I think it was once we started having kids and started that whole process, I think my mom really came to the realization like, hey, like this isn't going to work. I can't have one foot in the church and one foot loving you. Like it's impossible to do both those things at the same time. And I think that's really when she took a stance. And now she's like our biggest advocate. She's incredible. But yeah, like my sisters both stepped away. My dad stepped away. Um, And they're all truly amazing now. Like they fight for us more than anyone our whole community yeah. more than anyone. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's, that's really cool. Is your family the same, Bryce? Yeah, I was always the most active, quote unquote, Mormon member oh. of my family. Um, when I left, my mom was still, kind, you know, kind of there. And then, you know, for her, her big, you know, shelf cracking moment was when, you know, the church took that stance on on children of gay um, kids. And then, you know, when they eventually reversed it, it was almost like, I, I guess I should say her shelf cracked. And then when they reversed it, it really broke, which might sound counterintuitive because they're like, oh, they changed their stance. They're being more accepted. But for her, it was just a realization that there was more that was going into the decision than, I mean, in her words, it was something like, you know, God didn't originally make that policy. And so if it's being changed so quickly, then it really is just, just men that are deciding things. And if they're, you know, deciding things and flip and flip flopping, then, you know, it, I think it just really forced her to evaluate her relationship with the church and, and her belief in, in, in what, um, you know, I guess who is leading the church and who is really, um, leading church. Cause for her, it felt like it wasn't, God or Jesus that was leading the church if, you know, these policies were just being thrown around and no, changed. Right. And especially to take such a strong stance on such an important, like, social issue that's going on at the time. I mean, I totally agree with that because, you know, I mean, my relationship is complicated with the church, but at that time when the exclusion policy or whatever, you know, yeah. you call it, was it 2014? Yeah, or, no, 15. Yeah. Um, I was still pretty super all in, you know, I mean, I, I had things that were bothering me and the LGBTQ mm-hmm. gay members and stuff was one of them, but it was really like, okay, how do I make this work in my head? So you tried to give the church the benefit of the doubt and you tried to, but then yeah, when they reversed it, it was like, well, wait a second. I literally spent the last few years like really trying to make this work. And then you heard about like all the suicides and that was really hard. That was it, very it's hard. a really hard and important issue to, to looks like it just flip flopped and changes. So, um, you know, on, you know, a whim or just because, you know, maybe there was feedback. I would almost be, I would almost be more understanding if they like dug in their heels and said, no, no matter what, if people are opposing it, this is what God said. And, and we speak speak for God and we're not going to change it. But it's like, there was such this huge out outlash. And, and I think a lot of people leaving the church and removing records that it almost felt like, almost felt like reactionary because of the, to the to the outspokenness of everyone that it seemed like yeah this is really just a policy that is you know can be changed if people that lead the church decide that it should be changed as opposed to this is revelation from god and and 
you know, God has changed yeah. his mind. Yeah. Or something. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, um, exactly. It, it felt very clear that they were changing it due to the public opinions and the, and the feedback that yeah. they've gotten, which in a way, yeah, it's great. If you realize you're hurting people change, but, um, and also like the kind of apology. Yeah. yeah. Don't yeah. use God in the first place, you know, and now don't backtrack and say it wasn't God because it shows that, you know, you don't want to think that like God was hurting people. Anyway, it was just so complicated. And it just creates this whole thing on like, I think that's come out since then. It's like, are prophets speaking as a prophet or are they uh-huh, speaking as or... just, you know, men and, for me growing up in the church, I was always taught that it's one and the same. It's never, you know, right. if the prophet speaks, it's, you know, he's, yeah, he speaks for God. If it's, I mean, I think there's a scripture, I don't remember it, but it's something like if it's from the mouth of my servant or for me, it's the same. It's the same and so yeah. then for it to try to get into semantics and saying, oh, that's just a policy and policies can change. And it's just like, yeah, yeah it just yeah. seems. And I also think, like, um, I, when I lived in California, I lived in the same ward as Tyler Glenn and his family from Neon mm-hmm. Trees. Yeah. And I know that was a huge kind of deal breaker for him and his family. And his mom was one of his, his, her, his advocate and kind of, I, I don't know about if their whole family's out, but I know that that was huge for Tyler. I think he thought, oh, I can be in, I can maybe even be married and live Mormonism and, and have kids and, and then they can choose. But then it was like, wait, my kids couldn't even get baptized because of me? Like... And then it kind of went from there. But at the time, I remember when the exclusionary policy came out, I was almost in the sense of like, well, like it makes sense. I at least somewhat understand it. But I'm like, I don't want my kids to be baptized in a church that thinks that my marriage is is a sin and that, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to hell. Like, I don't want my kids to be married. But then, you know, you realize there's so many um, nuances to it and there can be, you know, divorces that happen and you know one of the parents is you know gay and they have a kid you know there's there's a lot that goes into it and it it just seems like it's um um yeah forcing or punishing kids that you know may want to make a decision based on based on you know their parent being gay or not um yeah yeah puts people in some really hard yeah yeah, and i think it was like the message that it was sending to youth too of well you'll just even, even if they don't even think that they'll ever get to the point where they marry someone and, and would have kids, it's just kind of like, well, you're so bad that we wouldn't mm-hmm. even let you baptize your kids in this church. Yes. So it's just, right. it reinforces that idea that, yeah, just kind of that self hate. That's so sad that like, like, that's what we're trying to weed out. And I know, I mean, I don't know. I tend to like want to give the benefit of the doubt to a lot of people in the leaders and, and things. I don't think that they were meaning to cause that, but it happened. And anyway, it's just so complicated. And then I think it opens up the questions of other policies in the past that have been changed. And so um, it's a complicated. Right. And I do feel like it kind of puts kids in a position, like say they, you know, did had the divorce issue and they had gay, like maybe they had a dad that was gay and got married. And then they had their yeah. mom that was married to another man and they went to church all the time. And, but they still loved their stepdad and their dad and they, and then they grow up and they want to be in the church, but the church says, you have to say, I disavow, like whatever. Is that the word they use? Like, I have to say, I don't agree with my dad and his lifestyle or his marriage or his whatever. That just seems so hurtful. And it seems to tear families apart more than to bring families together. When I was the church, I like loved was all about families and then mm-hmm. some of these issues that come up, I'm like, wait, this is not about a family. This is about the church coming yeah. first. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like such a such a policy that was um, like I I can't imagine there was a lot of 
children that had gay parents that were getting baptized in the yeah, church. Yeah, that's what it seemed like. It seemed like a really yeah. very rare situation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it seems like, you know, like one of the recent laws in Utah where they were targeting trans kids playing sports. And I think there was something, there was like three trans kids in the entire state that were, were you know, playing sports. And it just seems like a, 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 a lot of effort um, to be exclusionary when it's really not a problem right. so to speak. like it's, a big issue yeah yeah it, it right. seems like you're making a mountain out of a molehill out of you know <laughs> i can't imagine there was a lot of kids that were were trying to get baptized in the church that had a gay parent but then for the church to come out and be so public and take such a stance on it and then change it i think is what what really caused a lot of uh problems with a lot of people yeah, and it did remind me of Prop 8 just because it was such a, like a line in the sand. Like, yeah, this yeah. is where we stand. We're not changing. We're not going, we're not going to, you know, it was like we're not accepting this. And it's just, yeah, it's hard. And and you think of the more families it did affect when it came to kids kids and adults and people that are gay, just where they felt like they, their place in the church. Like, okay, now yeah. there really is like less of a spot. For yeah, me. that's more what it affected where it's almost like, well, if they just handled those one-off situations <laughs> one by one and figured it out, like, could yeah. that like, it, it makes me think, don't you have a PR department that can at least like, like play this out a little and be like, Hey, I, I don't know it's if this is going to go well. Really yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's but so I think true. people yeah. say like, Oh, it's, you know, there's people that believe that it's God, you know, leading the church and that that must be the, what God wanted. And then for it to be changed so fast, it just seems like it really was a change driven by public relations rather than, you know, than revelation. Yeah. Yeah. Complicated. It's all, yeah. So you talk about your purpose of your um, Instagram and I know your goal is just to share or maybe some of stories that have come kind of like the one with the mother. I think that's really cool to hear the ones that you've heard feedback from or that have made a difference? I I would say the biggest, the biggest response we get or biggest positive responses are parents that have gay kids and being appreciative of having a, a, you know, of showing our life. And then I would say it's also from gay, from gay kids. You know, we get a lot of comments and messages from kids that are say, you know, I'm gay and I, I, I always want, wanted to have kids and wanted to have a family. And I didn't think it was, possible and so you know watching our family is uh uh you know at least provides them some hope or some some you know vision of of what their life could be um down the road um but yeah i mean our biggest goal is just being visible in the sense of of you know providing a you know example and and into our lives we always try to be as as authentic as we can um you know, we talk about a lot like like this line between authenticity and and sharing what you want to share. We, you know, we don't we don't share you know near as much as as a lot of people do. Um, you know, we're very conscious of what we share, um, and you know, we there's also a lot of you know there's just a struggle on like like being real. Like the one example that comes to mind is like couples fight. We fight. We get in disagreements there's you know nights that we're you know not talking or something and it's like not sharing those moments feels not authentic but then it's this idea of of you know what are we sharing that's actually constructive and is actually moving us right that's helpful you know we're not trying to say we're perfect we're not perfect parents we're not perfect spouses but 
you know, we hope that's clear in the sense of, you know, we don't, we don't necessarily always share, you know, those days when, you know, you, your, your kids are driving you nuts and you don't want to see them and you're just, you know, like you just need a break. It's hard to share those moments without, you know, it's just hard. It's just something we struggle with on being like, Hey, we don't want to showcase ourselves as this perfect little family with kids that never have any issues, but it's like, how do you share those, you know, issues in a, in a way that's actually helpful and constructive. Right. right. I know that's the struggle of social <laughs> yeah. media. I feel like, like when people always say like, Oh, you guys are so perfect. I'm like, we are not. And there's a list of examples yeah, that like, we're not, no. but it's just hard to show it in a non, it's just hard to show it in an authentic way. You know, we try to do the best, the best we can to always be as authentic as possible, you know, but also, yeah. Yeah. I think you guys do a great job and yeah. it kind of like anyone that's been a parent knows that you kind of walk that line, yeah. you know, you're going to post pictures and you kind of, it's a highlight yeah. a little yeah. bit, you know, but if you've had four year olds, you know, especially four year old yeah. twins, you're like, Oh, it's kind of without saying that's hard. Like yeah. that's a lot of hard stuff, you know? And yeah. This has been so great that so you can follow them yeah, yeah on Instagram gonna... at growing up with dads. It's just growing up with yeah. dads, right? Can we just share, is there anywhere else that people can get a hold of you or do you primarily just point people to that? We just, yeah. Growing up with dads. Yeah. We primarily point people to that. Okay. We're busy dads. We can only handle so much <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. Oh, and you guys, I we talked about a little bit at the beginning, but you guys, you guys have a real estate company together. Yeah. So that's like our, so doing real estate is our full, our full-time job. You know, we just kind of run our Instagram part-time when we have time, which seems like sometimes it's, it's the time is less and less and less, you know, raising kids requires a lot of work and, you know, working another full-time job requires a lot of work and, you know, we try to put as much attention as we can, but, you know, there's certainly weeks where we, we don't post or share very much just because we're trying to survive. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly yeah <laughs> okay well we'll share yeah the um your instagram page and your real estate business if anybody's we will always take clients <laughs> yeah you guys would be fun way. to work with so yeah for sure all right well we always wrap up at the end with asking the question how you find beauty in life after going through this transition i think for me and for us is, is a big thing is there's this idea in being gay is it gets better. And so much of like our youth was spent thinking life was terrible and we didn't see any, any light or any hope. And, and there's just this idea that it gets, it gets better. Um, you know, life goes through, you know, ebbs and flows and peaks and valleys and, and we wouldn't change any part of our story because it's, it's, it's made us who we are and it's, it's, it's put us in the, you know, this point in our life that we are and, and, you know, we're really happy right now and we're really lucky. Um, so yeah, I, I just reinforce that, that it gets better. I love that. Yeah. That's a great message. Yeah. Do you think that Jeffrey will want to share his point? Anything else? That's probably good. It sounds like Okay, because the kids have been they were like very okay, we patient. Hit our, yeah, we hit our limit. Here. I know an hour is asking a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm actually pretty impressed with. Yeah, them. I know yeah, they've just, been good. I just hesitate That's opening awesome. the door because I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they might come yeah. bursting in. Really, yeah, right. who knows what's yeah behind the day door found, what they've been yeah. up to. Rich yeah. had drawn. He loves to write numbers now, and he had just written like one to a uh, hundred with marker on a on a desk 
on the desk that we have. And it's so hard because you're like, oh, that's so oh. awful, but you can't help but think it's cute and take a picture of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And scrub and be like, it oh, so impressive. Good job. <laughs> but you're like, but please don't do that. Only on paper. Yeah. We'll get you oh, a really long know. piece of paper for the next time. Right. You yeah. Totally. <laughs> do that. So. Okay, awesome. well, yeah, we thank you for taking the time to chat with us, and we've loved... Yeah, we appreciate, you know, you letting us share a little part of our story. Yeah, yeah. thanks for awesome. sharing. We appreciate it. All right, thank you. All right, thanks. Hey, thank you so, so much. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this conversation and would love if you subscribed to the podcast and followed along as we continue hearing more inspiring stories. You can also follow us on Instagram at Beautiful Shifts Podcast where we will post updates with our latest interviews. We'd like to thank the band We The Lion for giving us permission to use their beautiful song Move Along for our podcast. Take a minute to listen to the song and the lyrics and enjoy. I find a way to know myself All my thoughts are mine again and begin to understand where to go Now it's time to move along Now it's time to move along Take this journey as my own Feel the strength right in my bones All I want is to believe Life is my own Life is my own I'll start again, my mind is free now I can feel the truth in me I'll take a chance, I won't be wrong Here's now, now it's time